Hello and welcome to Beekeeping at Five Apple Farm. I'm Lee Knott. This is podcast episode six. Today I'll just talk about some uh, tips and ideas that I wish I had had when I started with bees back in 2010. And maybe they'll be helpful to newer beekeepers or give intermediate beekeepers something to think about or to tweak their techniques. Um, then at toward the end I will talk about uh, respond to some listener mail which is really fun and just do some rambling about the bees at at my farm. If you're enjoying these podcasts please consider sharing the link wherever you're listening to podcasts with your beekeeping club or your Facebook groups that you interact with. Um, It really helps to get the word out so thank you in advance for that. So I started out the my little notes today I was going to go the three things I wish I'd known and then it was the four things I wish I'd known and so it's the five things I wish I'd known <laughs> and I just stopped there but who knows by the end of the podcast there may be more um, it is the time of year here in North Carolina in the Asheville North Carolina area where people are getting their nukes and their packages in, they're starting out or starting over, as can easily be the case with bees. And so it's an exciting time. Um, and also nerve-wracking, especially if you're new or uh, if you lost your bees and you're trying it again. Um, it is nerve-wracking trying to figure out how to do everything right. And I will just tell you, there's just no way to do every single thing right. And even if you do every single thing right, bad things can happen. That's just beekeeping. It is um, an endeavor for the long haul. If you look at it that you're going to be a beekeeper the rest of your life, then if you're just starting, it's okay. You've got to learn. And the more effort you put into learning and observing experienced beekeepers, whether you adopt their methods or not, but to observe them, to see how they move through a hive, to see the things they're looking for, Um, Every hour I've spent in a mentor's bee yard watching them actually do the deed is is worth about, you know, 10 hours. It's like dog years. It's it's just worth about 10 hours of all the um, YouTube videos or podcasts that I've listened to, which which I love to do. But um, I can't uh, say that highly enough. I just I just remember in Arkansas. um, I had been beekeeping several years and I had the beekeeper inspector out because I was getting the health permits for my hives to move back home here to North Carolina and um, you know I felt pretty good about my you know very beginner uh, beekeeping skills and um, I watched this guy use his use actually my hive tool to work through the hive and it was so effortless and so smooth and just the way he used his wrist when he's put the frames apart I thought, oh my gosh, that is so much of a better way to do it, a smoother, less bee dangerous way to do it than I had done. Um, And so I hope that you will get little tips like that. When I say go visit a mentor, please make sure it's somebody who's been in bees successfully more than five years. By successfully, I mean it's just a person that is uh, not having to buy bees every year. And no offense if you've lost bees because that definitely can happen but it once you get to the point where you're sustainably raising your own bees keeping them alive over the winter for about five years then you know that's a good intermediate beekeeper and um, from there and up you can really learn a lot from folks 
So the first thing that I thought of, given that this is package and nucleus hive starter season, the first tip that I wish I had understood when I first start started, and I'm very grateful that I understand now, is the different kind of feeding for different kinds of situations. So for example, if you get a new package or a nuke and you're installing them into a brand new hive, you've got you don't have drawn comb, you just have foundation. The most important job these bees have in order to get to a size and a population and a health and storage of food and pollen in order to survive this coming winter, the most important thing they need is drawn comb. And drawn comb is the most one of the most difficult things for them to produce. It's far trickier than them producing honey. I've heard different numbers, but the ratio goes something like, you know, every pound of comb takes, I don't know, seven, eight, nine pounds of honey to produce. And you think about it, every pound of honey takes how many pounds of nectar? Because it has to be dried down. Anyway, it goes, it just is to say, comb is going to be your limiting factor in growth. Um, At the same time, once you get a stash of drawn comb, and you carefully protect it. Um, you, if if a hive dies out, or or you've got supers from last year that you're storing, you protect those. Um, I use a deep freeze for a lot of my um, stuff that I'm saving over from year to year. Anyway, you protect it however it is you want to protect it. Some people use the equivalent of mothballs. I'm not allowed to do that with the certified naturally grown um, rules, but But anyway, that drawn comb is going to be the thing that makes it so easy for you to do all kinds of cool things in the future. For example, now that I have a stash of drawn comb um, to draw on whenever I need it, if there's like a super duper flow, I can just go out there and put a whole super of drawn comb on it and they will fill it up in no time. They will literally fill up a super in a couple of days on a strong flow. If I put foundation on them, they are way, way, way behind the eight ball because you think about it. You know, they're going to have to do, I mean, just about 10 times the work to draw the comb um, as opposed to just sticking the nectar in the already drawn comb. So I can't emphasize that enough about what a treasure it is to have a stash of it. Uh, For example, it is so easy um, if I have a nice, healthy, populated hive I could easily split that hive into four or five nucleus colonies, start four or five new hives, um, even in the even in the early summer, and have them built up to wintering size easily by the the fall, because I have drawn comb. Now I do let them draw some of their comb. I always put some foundation in there because every year uh, I want fresh comb. Uh, again, the certified naturally grown rules that I um, operate my apiary under, you uh, cull any comb that's over five years old. And because of the implications in terms of how much the comb uh, being fat soluble more than water soluble, it can retain any pesticides out in the world that the bees are inevitably going to get into. Um, it can also retain uh, spores and bacteria and things that are just, you know, challenging, um, even for healthy bees. So you want fresh comb. 
And so when you're starting out and all you've got is a little package or a little nucleus and a whole bunch of foundation, the thing that can help them so much is to feed them. Now I just saw a post on Facebook this morning. Some folks were installing, I think it was nucleuses or packages in a community garden. And the person wrote on there, you know, we don't have to feed right now because there was 50 pounds of honey left over from the hive that died last year. And this is getting into the fine detail that I, that you only, <laughs> that I, at least I only learned over several years. Bees treat honey very differently than they treat nectar or light syrup. By light syrup, I mean one-to-one. That's typically what your, uh, what the new books and the new, if you're being taught fresh, they teach you if you are feeding one-to-one sugar to water, then you are duplicating you know, in a poor man's way, because nothing as good as real nectar. I'll say more about that in a minute. But um, So light syrup is going to give the bees the feeling that there's a flow on, that there's a natural flow. The times of the year when there's a natural flow, it's the, it's the trigger for the queen to start laying more, producing more brood, hatching out more young bees. It's the young nurse bees that are just a couple weeks old that are the best at drawing comb. They have that um, superpower, as I've called it before, that older bees don't have nearly as much. And so there's this window of time with young bees that they can draw comb. Um, it's also weather dependent. Above a certain temperature, I think it's like, I don't, I, 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 to be honest, I don't know what it is, but above a, a certain temperature, like in the 90s, I think, then they don't like to draw comb. At any time that the flow cuts off out there in the world of blooms, then the queen cuts back on laying, the hive cuts back on um, drawing more comb, and they start concentrating on um, just eking out, uh, using as little as possible as of what they have of honey. Honey is their storage food. Um, it is concentrated. It requires dilution with water um, in order to feed uh, baby bees uh, and to make the the bee bread that young bees or larval bees are fed um, so they have to get water uh, to use honey and that's work they have to go outside the hive go fi find water in their tiny tiny little <laughs> carry bag their honey stomach and then come back to the hive hand it off to bees spread it around to where it needs to be this is if you live in a very dry um, area. I mean, I have a, a pond and a stream uh, within a stone's throw of the hives, so they've got plenty of, of good water. And they're all the time around the edges of the pond on the little gravel uh, part. And sometimes, unfortunately, they go in the water and start swimming across the pond, and they never make it to the other side because the trout get them. But um, this, the, the water's important. They, have to, they need it to dilute the honey down in order to use it. But back to the feeding of light one-to-one -one syrup. If I had it to do over again, um, I would do then what I teach every person that I sell nucleus colonies to, is if you want this nucleus colony to succeed and you're starting with foundation, please give them one-to-one -one syrup. Now, there's a big caveat here uh, that you, you don't want to fill up one of those giant hive-top feeders with one-to-one -one syrup and dump a bunch of one, a ton of one-to-one -one syrup on them or any kind of food because they don't have much comb 
And like the little darling hoarders that they are, if you dump a ton of food on them, they're like, oh my God, look at this. And they're going to pack every cell they have full of nectar, syrup, whatever they have. Well, that fills up the cells. The queen doesn't have enough room to lay. And so there's a real catch-22. So what I recommend to um, when I sell nukes is to what I call trickle feeding. I don't know a better way to say it or if there's a more official name. But by trickle feeding, I mean using something like a mason jar with a few holes in it. Um, and you just, depending on the, the size of the um, hive that you're working with, you might give them a half a jar of one-to-one -one a day. Or a, if it's a bigger hive, a jar of one-to-one -one a day. And it is a lot of work. You go out there and you refill your jar and put it back on there. But what that does is it it's kind of simulates a, a flow where there's just this little steady supply of nectar, or in this case one-to-one -one sugar syrup, coming in. That communicates to the bees that, hey, we've got a flow going on. It's time to draw wax. It's time to make more bees. It's time for that queen to, to keep laying. If you trickle feed them, that way they can be drawing some comb, and she'll be laying in that comb pretty much as fast as they, they do, um, as they can. The thing about trickle feeding is, unlike the nectar out there in the world, um, they can get to it 24 and 7, if it's a windy day, a really cloudy day, a rainy day, at nighttime, all those times that even if you have a gorgeous natural flow going on that the bees can't be outside getting it, if they have that little trickle feeder, they can still be going. Um, in the mountains here of North Carolina, we have a lot of cloudy, windy, rainy days. So this makes a huge difference because they can't fly every day. And so if I had a little package or nucleus building up, and we had one of our, you know, week-long spring chilly rains and the bees are stuck in the hive much of the time, um, they would be having a setback if I wasn't uh, giving that little baby hive a, a trickle feed to keep them going so they can keep doing the work of building up into a full-grown colony. Um, so that's that's the thing. Like I said, don't dump it to them or it'll, you'll, it, that will shoot yourself in the foot. Um, you know, if you are a more natural based beekeeper like I try to be and um, focused on sustainability, please don't hesitate um, feeling like, oh, well, sugar's not as good as nectar. No, it is not. However, if they can't get to the nectar, then sugar is better than nothing. And it will definitely help your package or nucleus build up so that they can survive the winter. Which, um, you know, having bees having bees survive the winter, get through, make more bees, that's the holy grail. Um, I don't believe it's honey. I don't believe it's doing things in any pristine, righteous kind of way. It is keeping your bees alive so that you can make more bees, perfect your bee, well, okay, beekeeping skills are never perfected. It's, a, it's an ongoing thing, but uh, get better and better with your beekeeping skills. Um, you got to have live bees. And so uh, trickle feeding, helping them to build out the comb in that first hive, protecting that comb religiously. If something happens to that hive, get it, you know, get it out of there. Like if the hive dies, you know, get it in the freezer, get it protected in whatever way that you need to do that. Um, similarly, uh, this goes back to something I said in an earlier podcast. My gosh, only four episodes. I'm already repeating myself. Um, of keeping that keeping the hive body very carefully sized 
to the size of whatever cluster of bees you have going, whatever size colony. So don't throw, you know, two big boxes of foundation on top of them. That's just space that they can't keep warm, that they can't keep the humidity right, and that a lot of other critters can get in there and bother them. Even if you have drawn comb, you know, you don't want to go out and put a bunch of drawn comb on a little bitty colony because they can't protect it. And of course, comb draws all kinds of, of critters that want to eat it. Um, they can't, uh, you, you want to keep them sized so that they can heat, humidify to their preference, and very importantly, defend um, the size of whatever it is they have from things like hive beetles and wax moths that will be coming on as soon as the weather gets warm. So, by all means, please, try trickle feeding your bees. Um, it is the little bit of syrup one-to-one -one syrup that you're giving your bees um, it does not we're not talking about the kind of destructive in my opinion sugar feeding where you take all their honey in the fall and you just feed them sugar water to get through in the winter um, I have tried it both ways I, I've never taken all the honey but sometimes I have uh, misjudged and they didn't have enough honey to get through and I have wintered them on essentially mostly sugar water and they don't do as well as if they have a stash of honey in there. So anyway, uh, please keep feeding in mind as a tool that if uh, done correctly for what it is you're trying to accomplish can really be helpful. I had to pause there and I apologize if you hear little yapping and yowling. Um, my dachshunds think I'm back here talking to myself and that I need help and so they are locked out and cannot understand why, so pardon the, the noise in the background. So I think I covered topic really number one and two, um, the use of feeding for strategic goals and also how important it is um, to get plenty of drawn comb uh, for everything in the future that you'll do with beekeeping. So the third thing is about, and this, I don't know, I guess this just takes time, but learning to balance your uh, it, intrusion slash interactions into the hives when you're brand new and you have a brand new package or nuke and if you oh I hope you have more than one because that's it's so much easier to start with two um, but it's very uh, hard to make yourself not go in there all the time but once you install them and they have everything you need you've got a little feeder set up they've got uh, what they need in there if if you can, you know, let a week go by, um, you know, after the queen is released and all that type of stuff, um, before you mess with them again, that's ideal. If you have two hives, it's great to alternate, you know, so you check, um, you know, one of your hives on this Saturday and the next of your hives on the next Saturday, and that way they have some time in between there. Uh, just, you know, any, even, I mean, first of all, let me say, we need to go in and check the bees and see what they need and um, so that we can know what to do as our responsible, um, as responsible collaborators with our bees, um, that we can know what they need. So definitely go in there. I think I, I've actually had people, I, I don't sell nucleus colonies to new beekeepers anymore because I don't have that many and there's lots of places to get large quantities of uh, nucleus colonies. 
But I, I had the one person one time call me a, f- a couple few weeks after I had sold the nucleus colony and say, oh, you know, they swarmed. And I'm like, really? Um, you know, were you adding space? Were you giving them more room? And the person said, well, you know, I, I they seem to be doing fine in the box that you sold them to me in. So I, you know, I just left them in there. Well, of course they swarmed. You know, they were full in that box the day I sold them. And I don't mean to pick on that person. Um I know they're not listening now because they're they're not in beekeeping anymore. <laughs> and I'll go back to that whole thing about this is a long haul, plan to learn a lot of things, plan to make a lot of mistakes. But getting used to going in, interacting, um, they use the term manipulations, which always sounds kind of negative, but you know, moving things around, doing what needs to be done, doing the beekeeper activities. The more skilled you get at that, it will pay you back so much every year just exponentially pay you back because you will develop those skills the only way to get those skills to get comfortable with it is to practice um, so whatever it takes to get you comfortable with it and I guess I'm kind of going into another point of that um, whatever it takes to get you comfortable in the sense of does it mean having somebody there with you then get them there does it mean uh, wearing a head-to-toe bee suit that's fine do not care what people say about what you need or what you wear um i'll another i'll go back to an earlier tip that um i wouldn't if unless you're allergic to bees uh try your best to use the thinnest gloves that you can get away with for example the 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 nurse gloves nurse doctor exam gloves that you can get off amazon um really they'll decrease any stings but they'll allow you to feel uh, where the bees are which is the number one way to not get stings um, but definitely, you know, wear your bee jacket, wear the the exam gloves, wear whatever it takes so that you can forget about you um, and just focus on what the bees are doing and learning from them. So that would be another tip to just uh, balance going in with not going in. I will tell you, um, there have been beekeepers that... <laughs> in my opinion, were very intrusive with their bees. They went into them a lot. And then there have been other beekeepers that I've started out working with that um, they didn't want to bother the bees. They felt real strongly that this was bad for the bees to be interrupted. And interestingly, it's the ones that have really bothered their bees (laughs) to... um, that stuck with it because they they got more skillful as time went by. Whereas if you don't mess with your bees, then one day you'll go out there and, and they're dead or they're gone and um, you won't have any additional skills and you don't have bees. And so if you have to err on one side or the other, at first err with looking in and doing what you need to do limiting yourself as much as you can knowing that they do need in between times to get themselves organized but um it is the when i now when i see a new beekeeper it is the willingness to just feel the fear feel the anxiety which is totally totally normal um when you start out in fact i'd say if you're the kind of person you're like i don't have any fear i don't have any anxiety i've never been on bees i'm not so sure you're the right kind of beekeeper (laughs) i'm teasing i'm teasing uh that's okay too but the the anxiety and the worry is normal and in fact i would say that's even respectful of the bees to be a little bit anxious and to be concerned with what's going to help them to me those are actually signs that you could end up a really good beekeeper if you stick with it so i'll stop on that because um okay 
And so finally, the last tip I would say is to learn not to push them. And by that I mean uh, the bees are going with a season. They're going with the weather peculiarities of that particular year. Uh, They respond um, to the flow, to the weather, everything that's going on. Some types of bees are very responsive to the flow. I work mostly with kind of a carniolan-based bee, and they are extremely uh, responsive. If the flow cuts off for any reason, the carniolan queens just shut down laying right away because they are modulating their population with what they think the, the flow and the weather's going to be. Um, Italians are kind of famous for just keeping on pumping out baby bees regardless of the weather, which is great if you're selling bees. I mean, that's why a lot of the package bees are Italians. Um, but it's not so great in terms that they can um, starve themselves pretty easily. So if you have the bright golden Italian bees, just keep an eye on their food stores. And then if you have the darker carniolan bees or or Russian bees, then what you want to be aware of is any time the flow cuts back, um, they're going to cut back. And so, for example, in the fall, I have actually learned to do some trickle feeding with some of my hives um, just that that are not quite the size that I feel good about them going in the winter just to keep the queen laying because she may be responding to the weather I want her to very you know uh, moderately to keep laying and so trickle feeding again with the small amounts of one-to-one can actually accomplish that and and so uh, with the whole idea of don't push them, I'll give you another example. Like right now, if you're not a beginner beekeeper, then we're just about getting to to split season, split and swarm season, which are of course the same thing um, here in the mountains of North Carolina. And there are um, beekeepers who have already split their hives here, um, and I really hope that they did nice fat you know fat big splits because we're going to have um, a 19 degree night on Sunday night. Um, it's something that as you get more experience, you will definitely keep an eye on the weather. Um, I was tempted. I, there's a hive that I have uh, at one of the outyards that I'm, I'm in love with the genetics. It's, it's, um, and there's only one hive of these, these bees, and I so want to split them and make more. Um, it's a big hive, so I'm balancing that whole, you know, are they going to get ready to swarm or split them? But what I did is I looked at the weather report, the 10-day weather report several days ago, and I saw the 19-degree night coming, and I just didn't want to split them and have the splits be stressed while they're raising queens. Um, So what I did instead was to add space um, and hopefully buy me the time to get past this little cold spell and, and then split them. Any splits I do this early, I err on the side of caution and make them bigger. Uh, just in case we have another stretch of chilly, rainy weather, which we have a lot of. In fact, I see chilly, rainy weather blowing in over the mountain right this minute. <laughs> um, so learning to not push the bees. Um, stressed bees are just ripe for illness, for um, attacks by all the things that are trying to get in there and steal their stuff. And um, if you, again, keep them, you know, uh, keep them in a, a place they're meaning their their hive that's just a little bit bigger than what they are uh, is really important and will get them off to a healthy start. So I've used up the whole time and I haven't even gotten to listener mail. <laughs> I'll have to do a different episode on that. Um, it is so fun 
to hear from you guys that are listening. I can't, I just can't tell you how much fun it is. I mean, when you're saying nice things <laughs> and, um, there's only one that wasn't saying a nice thing and I'm going to address that in my listener mail, but I want to say thank you to the people who've taken the time to leave a review on iTunes and to say a few words. I've seen some uh, reviews on Podbean and the various places that the podcast is available. It just makes my day. If you want to get in touch, if you're on Facebook, if you look up Five Apple Farm, that's three words, Five, F-I-V-E, Apple Farm, there's a page there, and um, you're welcome to message me there, and uh, I will do my best to address your question in an upcoming episode. And to those of you who have asked a question, the very next episode, which I'm, I'll probably won't wait a whole week to do, um, I'll just do it in a few days of just... Um, responding to some of your questions because that's really fun so thank you so much for taking the time again if you're enjoying this please share it with your beekeeper friends your beekeeping club uh, because that just it just helps the more people that that write in it keeps me going because now that you know spring season is about to get started I will be starting uh, my new adventures in queen rearing very shortly and I may get distracted so from this podcast so the more you keep in contact and ask questions for me to answer uh, the, I'll, I'll keep going. Thanks for all the encouragement you've given me. I hope you'll, you all have a wonderful week. Go on the Facebook page and tell me how your bees, what, what, what you're doing, whether you have hives from last year or whether you've got new hives. I just, I really enjoy hearing from you. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Talk to you soon.